And I'd love it if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. There should be Bibles around. And we're going to pick up the next line uh, in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to uh, read again how Jesus teaches us to pray. But just as we um, turn there, let me just say, um, I do just want to encourage you uh, um, as a church family. uh, It has been a hard few weeks. And it is right that we cry. That is not something that we should be embarrassed about. Okay? It's, It's right to cry because this world is hard. And I do just want to say to you, you may find in the next few weeks, some of you, that you struggle a bit to know what is appropriate and what isn't, and you struggle to know, you sort of doubt your own feelings. That might... We're all different, okay? We, we will all grieve in different ways. And whether it's this or other situations that we'll face, we will all experience grief in different ways. And so I want to encourage you not to overthink your emotions, but to be honest about how you're feeling. Not to worry about other people, not to compare yourself to others, not to think or they seem more sad than me, or perhaps I didn't really love them that much, or they don't... We can do that, right? We can get a bit confused in our heads. It may be that in the next few weeks you have times when you feel happy and then suddenly you feel guilty about feeling happy. All this stuff happens with grief. And I want to encourage you to keep talking to each other. Yesterday, the funeral was not the end, right? It was an important point of acknowledging and thanking God for Toby and Millie and saying goodbye. But that's not the end. It will, it will be hard. But I thank God for a church family who love each other and are caring for each other. Let's keep doing that. All right? Let's keep helping each other. Keep praying for each other. But we're going to read now um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 14. Here is Jesus teaching us to pray. And he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We're learning to pray together from Jesus, one line at a time. Last week we were thinking what it means to call God Father. This week it's just four words. Hallowed be your name. What does it mean to pray hallowed be your name? Why would we pray that? The more I've studied this prayer, the more I've thought about it and prayed about it, the more it's blown me away. This is spectacular. These are spectacular words that Jesus gives us. He says, use these. That's how much Jesus loves us, right? He doesn't just leave us on our own and go, oh, go and pray. He says, no, pray like this. But the thing that struck me particularly uh, um, this week it's actually quite a dangerous prayer to pray. And it's dangerous because it isn't what we would naturally pray. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the first half of the prayer, 
we don't feature. Which just seems weird. Because in our thinking, we're pretty big. But in Jesus teaching us to pray, he says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it gets to us, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So you get these two halves of the prayer and the first half of the prayer is all Godward. You, your kingdom, your name, hallowed be your name. And then it's not that he says, right, that's done. Now let's turn to pray about other things. Those two halves are connected with one another because how is God's name going to be hallowed and his kingdom come and his will be done? Well, it's as we are given our daily bread and forgiven our sins and they're not into temptation. The second half of the prayer is so that the first half of the prayer can happen. So this first half, this, this section all about God and about his name, his kingdom and his will is massive. And the reason I said it's dangerous, you may say, well, it doesn't sound very dangerous. I mean, you know, the reason I say it's dangerous is because I, if we begin to pray like this, it might actually change us. It really might. In the common understanding of prayer, prayer is really about changing God. Right? Trying to get God to do what I want him to do. God, I've got an idea. This is what I'd like you to do. Please, could you do it? And if I pray long enough and hard enough and passionately enough, then perhaps God will change. Well, here's a revolutionary idea from the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps prayer is about changing us. Perhaps we're supposed to be the ones who are changed as we pray. You see, so often my prayers are shaped by my cares. The things I care about are the things I pray about. And because the things I care most naturally and passionately about are my comfort, I like that. And my honour, and my success, and my safety, I find it quite easy to pray those things. It just, when I say easy, even that's hard. (laughs) But if I do get to pray, that tends to be the way I pray. But what if as we pray this prayer, we're changed? What if the reason that Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name, is so that we would start to change in the things that we most passionately cared about? So that rather than our prayers being shaped by our cares, our cares would be shaped by our prayers. That we would pray about stuff that at the moment we don't care about in order that we would care about it. Is this making sense? So by nature, I don't care about the honour of God's name. By nature, that is not high on my prayer list. It's not one of the things that's important to me. And so Jesus says, well, make sure you pray about that. Because as you pray about it, you will be shaped by it. And so I want us to understand that this is a prayer that shapes us. Hallowed be your name. So that we would change in the things that we passionately care about. 
Now, I think this is important just for us to pause on this and to understand that that's what's going on. This is dangerous praying because it will change our priorities and shape our lives. So you've got to be careful with this prayer. Hallowed be your name. If you prayed about the honour of God's name, the hallowing of God's name, and I'll explain what it all is in a second. If you prayed about the hallowing of God's name for the rest of your lives, every day for the rest of your lives, don't you think your priorities would change? Don't you think your lives would change? Don't you think that your whole perspective on life would change if you prayed every day, Father, your name, your name? That would change you. I'm excited about that. I want to be changed. I don't want to simply pray small prayers about my cares. And please hear me, he does care about our cares. And he does want us to be able to pour out our hearts. But when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, but be shaped by this prayer. This is also an important thing for us to pray because it's a prayer that the world needs. If I stopped someone on the street randomly, if I stopped you on the street randomly and said, what does the world most need today? I wonder what your answers would be. I guess there'd be some stuff about the environment. I guess there'd be some stuff about politics. I get this be, you know, da, 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 peace and love and harmony and joy and sing, sing, sing. All that sort of stuff. Would it be weird to you if I said that actually the world's greatest need is to hallow God's name? To know God's name. Okay, fine. Look, we need to understand what hallow means because I've used it a hundred times and we haven't explained it yet. And it's not a word we use very often. But there is one scenario where we use it. Some of us. You think of any time in your life when you would ever use the word hallowed. Trevor, would you ever use the word hallowed? Hallowed, what, what is a piece of hallowed ground in your life, Trevor? Stamford Bridge, right? The grass at Chelsea's football ground is hallowed ground. That is the only time, as far as I can work out that we use this word. Isn't that weird? A little patch of grass, hallowed ground. What we mean is that it's set apart. It's special. It's different. It's unique. There's something not magical. That's the wrong phrase, but it's magical. (laughs) My toothbrush is hallowed. I would never say that, but it's the same thing. It's set apart for one use, for me. My brother-in-law went to a house the other day, and for some reason they they said, do you want to brush your teeth? And he said, yes. He does live in Kazakhstan. It's a slightly different culture. He brushed his teeth, and they said to him afterwards, hey, you're the first person to use our guest toothbrush. (laughs) How cool is that? So there's a little thing we could introduce. Guest toothbrushes. <laughs> no, our toothbrush is hallowed. It's set apart. It's distinct for us. Right, here's the thing, right? God's name is to be hallowed. That is, it is to be seen for what it is. It is to be set apart. 
Now, in one sense, you might read this verse and say, well, it's a statement rather than a request. Hallowed be your name. That's just a statement of fact. God's name is hallowed. God's name is holy, set apart. He's different. He's other. He's special. And it is a statement of fact. That's true. But actually, this is a request. This is a request that God's name would be treated for what it truly is. That God's name would be seen in all its magnificent splendor. That's what our world most needs. Hallowed. But why the name? Why not just hallowed be God? Why not hallowed be God's shadow? Why, not, why his name? What is it about his name? Well, names matter to us, don't they? Your name matters. We all got excited this week about the name Archie, didn't we? And everybody who had a... I had a friend. Well, it wasn't a friend. It was a friend on Facebook. That sort of friend. Who... Um, who had a son the next day and was called Archie. And, and he, he was like, but we'd already decided, we'd already chosen this name before. <laughs> they were really upset. It must have been a tough night, mustn't it, going, now what do we do? Do we change it? But our names matter. We care about names. Um, if someone gets your name wrong, it's really irritating, isn't it? If someone pronounces it wrong. It matters to us. And we want our... Because our names are tied up with us. They're tied up with our identity. Well, God's name in the Bible is even bigger than that. And so I'm going to show you three different places where this idea of God's name is. So that you can get a sense of just what a huge concept God's name is, and so that we can understand what it might mean to pray, hallowed be your name. God's name is tied up with who God is in his very essence. Let me show you three places. Let's go to Exodus 3, first of all. Okay, We'll do a little bit of walking around. It'll help us to keep um, awake. I mean, walking with our fingers rather than our legs. Um, Exodus 3, it's on page 60. Here's Moses talking to God. And in case anyone's under any um, confusion, Stamford Bridge is not hallowed ground. Um, but the ground where Moses was standing really was. Moses was standing on a piece of ground where there was a burning bush, and the presence of God descended in the bush, and God was speaking to Moses, and he said, It's holy ground, right? It was holy because God was there. And God, God has this conversation with Moses. And verse 13, look at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? It's a slightly odd request, isn't it? Verse 14, look how God answers. God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you'll say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. God's name speaks of the relationship that he has with his people. God's name speaks of the way that he relates. He relates to his people as I am. The one who makes a promise and keeps it. The covenant-loving God. The God who makes a promise to a bloke called Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And he will not break that promise. And Moses gets that name, I am, as the covenant God. The one who loves his people. The name of God speaks of relationship. If I said to you, hi, what's your name? And you said to me, not telling you. That would be an indication you didn't want a relationship with me, right? I wouldn't go, oh, no worries, fine. What, what, what do you do? I'd say, okay, back off, back off, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> because your name is the way that you relate. Well, with God, when God says, this is my name, he's saying, I want you to know me. I want you to be in relationship with me. Just flick over one page um, to Exodus 6. So in Exodus chapter 6, God speaks, um, God speaks to his people again. And he says, I, verse 6, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. I will redeem you with an outstretched um, arm and mighty acts of judgment. I'll take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. You see, here it is. I it's relational. I am the Lord. I will take you to be my people. That's his name. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying, may your name, that covenant love, be known. Every time you trust God's covenant love for you, you are hallowing his name. You're saying, you are good. You're saying, I trust your name. Every time you trust God's promise to you, you are hallowing his name. And every time you doubt his promise, you dishonor his name. In the same way that if I make you a promise and I say, I will meet you at uh, nine o'clock tomorrow morning in Costa Coffee somewhere um, and you don't turn up and I phone you and I say, why weren't you there? And you say, well, it's you. Of course I wasn't there. You promised to be there, but you never keep your promises, so I wasn't there. That is dishonoring my name. My, right? That's... When you... Trust someone's promise, you hallow their name. Hallowed be your name. Means to say, please, might I act in such a way that I trust your promises. I lean all of my weight on your covenant love. Let me show you another one. The goodness of God. 
Come over to Exodus um, 33. Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, in verse 19, um, Moses says to God, Now show me your glory. In verse 19, The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. What's going on there? Look at it again. I will pass all, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name. Those two things, the goodness of God and the name of God, go together. So the name of God is tied to his character. What he is like. And he is good. He's the God who does what is good. He's the God who is morally upright, the one who is righteous, the one who always does what is right, the one who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. The goodness of God. When you hear the name of God, you think of his character. Now, that's less true of our names, isn't it? Our names don't tend to relate to our characters. My dad's name is uh, Paul, and Paul means small. My dad's an exception. It relates very well to his character. (laughs) But normally our names don't relate to our characters. But God's name relates to his character. God's name is his goodness. It is all that he is. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're saying, May I see your goodness. I want to worship you for your goodness, for all that you are, your character, your beauty, your perfection. You are of supreme worth. That's his name. Name relates to relationship, covenant love. It relates to character, his goodness. And name relates to his reputation. Name relates to the glory of God. So just come over to Isaiah 42. One more place. Isaiah 42. On page 728. Page 728. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And so in this verse, God attaches the idea of his name to his glory, his reputation. And so if God's goodness is his In a character, his glory is the outshining of that character. Does that make some sense? So God's glory is the outward manifestation of his goodness. God's glory is the outward display of his inward character. His name is his goodness, character, and glory, reputation. 
Glory is when God puts himself on display. And God, over and over again, demonstrates his glory in what he does. He demonstrates his glory in creation. In making this world, he puts his glory on display and says, this is my name, this is my reputation. And so when we see the beauty of creation, we hallow his name by giving him praise for what he's done. And we dishonor his name when we worship something that's created rather than worshiping the creator. Hallowed be your name means giving God glory, shining back, reflecting back God's glory to him and saying, wow, worship, praise. When God puts his glory on display, that is his name. And you know what it's like when you do something and someone else gets the glory for it. You know, you paint yourself a nice masterpiece and then someone else comes along and signs the bottom of it. They put their name to your work. To pray, hallowed be your name, means that our world would see that God is the creator and the redeemer and the lover and the sustainer and the giver of all things. And to say, to him be glory. Hallowed be your name. And Jesus says, let this passion grip your heart. Let this passion shape your life. Let this be your highest goal, your greatest concern, your supreme treasure. That God would be seen for who he is. The covenant lover, the good God and the glorious king. That we would see him and honour him. Hallowed be your name. That is what our world most needs to see. Our world needs to know him. Because actually the reality is that we break his, we do not trust his promises, we break the covenant with him. We doubt his goodness and we give glory to other things. That's why Jesus says you need to pray, hallowed be your name. As you look back over the past week, I wonder how you've treated the name of God. I don't just mean have you blasphemed. I don't just mean have you, you know, said something bad about God. I mean in the whole of your life, whose name has mattered most? Often it's our name, isn't it? Often it's my name that I want. It's my name that I want to be known. It's my name that I want people to be impressed by. It's my name that I want people to honour. And that is outrageously wrong. And can I tell you why? Can I tell you why that will never satisfy you? And can I tell you why that will destroy this world? Because my name is going to disappear soon. I'm going to give my life for something that will be gone in a moment. Do you not see? Our names don't last. We, um, a few years ago, took our kids to um, the Diana Memorial Fountain in Hyde Park. Had a happy day splashing around in the fountain. 
And then we went to the Diana Memorial Playground. Had a happy time playing in the pirate ship. They're great fun. On the way home, my kids looked at me and said, who's Diana? I was like, wow. You don't know who she is. Most, one of the most famous human beings who's ever lived. My kids don't know who she is. And our names don't last. And we spend our lives in this futile pursuit of making a name for ourselves. And we care so much about what people think of us. And we care so much about our reputation. And we care so much about our comfort and our success. And yet this prayer is an invitation to give our lives to a name that will last forever. To invest the whole of our lives in something which will last. To invest our lives in a name which will forever be glorified and forever be praised. You want to give your life to something worth living for? You want to make a mark? You want to, you want to find something worth living for? Hallowed be your name. All for you. For your glory. Let me be someone who knows you in covenant love. Let me be someone who trusts your goodness. And let me be someone who lives for your reputation and your glory. Hallowed be your name. And this great theme of the name of God finds its fulfillment, you won't be surprised, in Jesus Because Jesus comes to be the supreme revelation of God and it's in Jesus that the name of God is fully put on display. His covenant love as God comes to earth and says, this is how much I love you. This is what I'll do to keep my promise to you. I'll go to a cross and I'll die. The promises I made that I will never ever break. I will not let you down. Trust my covenant love. Hallowed be your name. All of God's goodness put on display in this man, Jesus. His love, his compassion, his faithfulness, his beauty, the supreme worth of Jesus. All of God's glory shining forth from this man, Jesus. And that is why Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You want something worth living for? Live for that. Live for a name. I was in a prayer meeting once of pastors. I quite often am in prayer meetings of pastors. It's it's great. But I was in one, and it was early in the morning, and I was a bit grumpy because I didn't really want to be there. But I felt like I had to be, because if you're not there, you look bad, right? So obsessed with my name. And I was listening to this old bloke pray, and he was really old. I thought he was, you know, he was just very near the end of his life. And he prayed with such a passion. I've never heard anything like it. Do you know what I thought? I, I was quite young. I was you know, younger than I am now, obviously. And um, that's how time works. But he prayed with such a passion, and I sat there and I thought, I don't even know his name. I don't know who he is. Never heard of him. And yet he's worked and worked in a little church somewhere 
preaching the gospel faithfully, pointing people to Jesus. I was so rebuked. I thought, here am I, worried about whether people see me at a prayer meeting. Here am I, worried about what people think of my name. What a joke. These are the people that Jesus honors. The world doesn't know their name, but he does. They give their lives for a name that will last forever. You know what? I long for that sort of a freedom. I long for that sort of a freedom that just doesn't care about my name anymore. And it says, Jesus, I'll give everything. Let me be whatever you will choose to make me. Here's my life. What do you want to do with me? Hallowed be your name. I give myself to you. And you may be saying, you think, well, I'm not even a Christian. This sounds all a bit weird. Let me tell you this. You won't find a better message than this. You won't find a better reason to live than this. You won't find a God of greater covenant love, of better goodness and more beautiful glory. You won't find it anywhere else. That's why we pray, hallowed be your name. So this week, as you go into this week, will you pray, hallowed be your name? Think about your day, and rather than saying, Heavenly Father, please help me as I do this exam, and please help me as I see this person, as I have coffee with this person, instead pray, Heavenly Father, let your name be hallowed as I do this exam. Let me do, let me do this in a way which brings glory and honor and praise to your name. And as you pray for other people in the church, let them see your name, Father. Let them see the supreme worth. As we pray for one another, as we start struggle in our grief, let them see, let us see the glory. Let us see the supreme treasure that Jesus is and let us adore him and hallow his name. This is what we live for. So we're going to take some time to pray. And we're going to use the words um, of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to pray this together slowly. And we're going to ask that God would shape us and help us to see that it is this name, this God, to whom everything is due. So let's pray together and use these words Jesus gave us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. What a prayer. Let's be shaped by this prayer. Let's be shaped by these priorities.